we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for um, May 29th, 2011. And the last part is going to be a teaching dedicated to tobacco, essentially. Smoking, modern day cigarettes, that type of thing. Uh, a lot of requests for this over the years. And we're segueing because we just talked about offering cigarettes to these deities. Well, I did some research a long time ago about this, and I went up on a, um, a pagan chat room to see what they're talking about. A lot of times it's very telling. Um, I don't do it a lot anymore, I don't advise you to do it, but sometimes you can kind of get an inside glimpse on the enemies. And I'm not saying they're, they're enemies regarding the cause of Christ. Not that I'm saying I want them to go to hell. I want them to get saved. I mean, that type of thing. But you can kind of see what they might be planning, saying, plotting, where they're at with their mindset, this type of thing. And I thought this was very uh, interesting, what they were talking about. Because I had done, a, uh, I believe, a keyword search regarding uh, tobacco. And this is what I found. And these are just some... some um, back-and-forth chat between different people on this pagan chat room. So, it's from a witchcraft chat room where occult, uh, where occult practices for magical purposes were being discussed. Okay, So let's see what these practicing pagan occultists have to say about smoking tobacco. Now, I edited out the inappropriate words. First post. Okay, and all these guys go by like crazy internet names, you know, so I'm not going to repeat them all. Uh, they might be demonic names. I don't know. Anyway, first person says, I know this is a thread on blood. So they were talking about blood. Um, not tobacco. But yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Tobacco is a powerful plant, and there are many spiritual traditions that use it. I'm only just scratching the surface here. As an avowed non-smoker, I have largely ignored it in the past, but there is fertile ground to explore. So they had kind of started talking about this whole subject. Next person says, yeah, me too. I'm also a lifetime non-smoker. I've never used the weed in ritual before. I associated it with non-European magico-religious practices, which I didn't and still really don't understand very well, which led me to skew it as a as smacking of a cultural appropriation. They're actually quite intelligent in some of the ways they talk. Next post says, perhaps it's more powerful if one doesn't use it recreationally, but only in a sacred setting. Next step, next post. I don't think you can use tobacco recreationally. Now, this is an occultist talking. He's saying, I don't think you can use tobacco recreationally. It's a horrible, mega-addictive drug that totally messes you up. If you think you're using it recreationally, you're conning yourself or being conned by the malevolent evil spirits that I suspect infest tobacco. Now, how often do you hear that from a Christian? But here's an occultist stating the obvious. He goes on to say, and I think that if you're not a Native American living on a reservation who knows all about the different kinds of tobacco that are out there and just which one you need for a particular magical purpose, then leave it alone. So let me, let me break that down for you. What does that mean? That means if you're not like an, a Native American shaman who have been using tobacco for hundreds of years, okay, as it was an indigenous plant here, if you're not one of them, if you're not a high-level Native American shaman, essentially witch, 
who knows about the different kinds of tobacco that are out there and just which one you need for a particular magical purpose or spell, then leave it alone. Wow. Whoa. That's pretty serious, what he just said, isn't it? Then he goes on to say, No, I am trying to quit right now, and I have zero tolerance for tobacco advocation right now. Next post. Well, excuse me, all to H and back. But like I said above, this whole cigarette thing wasn't my idea. I'm an asthmatic non-smoker. I'd love to leave tobacco offerings alone. It's just not really an option. Now, when I read that, I'm thinking, why isn't it an option? Well, he's going to explain it to you right now. He goes on to say, when I think of offerings, I usually think of things I like and offer those. In other words, offering to their whatever pagan deity. And then he goes on to say, I use tobacco with certain specific spirits. And then, and only when it's requested that I do so. In other words, the spirits tell him what they want. There's usually room for some negotiation. In other words, you can you can negotiate with these devils and demons a little bit. Come on. He goes on to say, like being allowed to take a token drag off a cigarette and then burn the rest in loose incense. Which means he doesn't have to smoke the whole thing. Because he's an asthmatic non-smoker. So he doesn't want to. So that's like the happy medium he's arrived at, essentially. But when they, the demons, well, I, I put that in there, but when they really want something, it's often a bad idea to kick up too much fuss about giving it to them, meaning the demons. In other words, if they say, I want this and you don't do it, oh, well then you may they may attack you. Next post. I'm a non-smoker, used to get through 20-plus Marlboro Reds a day. Hey, did you know that that... Remember that Marlboro Man guy? Remember that he was the cowboy in all the ads and stuff from, like, the 70s and 80s? You know he died of lung cancer from smoking them things? He died of the actual things he was advertising for. They don't... You know what, though? You don't see him in the casket with a, a pack of Marlboros in his, in his shirt pocket right before they're getting ready to close the casket. You, you don't you don't see that Marlboro advertising you know that way. To be honest, wouldn't it? He really did. He died um, anyway of lung cancer. So I, I'm a non-smoker. The next post used to get through 20 Marlboro Reds a day, but haven't smoked tobacco in non-ritual circumstances, non-ritual for more than eight years. The gods and the spirits I work with like tobacco. They like cigars. So I handle cigars on a weekly basis. Generally, I'll take three smokes on something without inhaling and blow the smoke towards the altar, leaving the rest to burn of its own accord in the ashtray. This is the relationship I now have with the tobacco spirits. There are spirits literally associated with tobacco, and they have specific names. I'll give them to you near the end. The idea of smoking in non-ritual circumstances is abhorrent. Now, this is coming from a practicing occultist. This would be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and smoke a pack of Marlboros. To him, the idea of smoking in a non-ritual circumstances, which, which happens 99.9999% of the time, most likely, is everybody's walk, driving around or taking their smoke breaks and things of this nature. They're not doing it in a ritual. But to him... 
a practicing pagan, it's abhorrent. He goes on to say, I can't imagine ever smoking without there being magic involved. Well, I can tell you one thing, after what I've already read, I can tell you there's, there's no such thing as smoking without demons being involved. Guaranteed. And if we haven't proven it to you now, hopefully you'll, you'll see it by the end of this. Next, next, next post. When I think of offerings, I usually think of things I like, and I offer those. Same here, although I have offered cigars once, and then I found I had to smoke it. Now, I'm a non-smoker. I didn't even try bargaining with the demonic spirit. I wrote that part in. I will bear in mind the mixing, the mixing of it with incense thing, though. It sounds a much better prospect than smoking the whole thing. Meaning, you take one puff off this, and then you let the rest burn, or combine it with incense, or whatever the other suggestion that one guy made. Next post. Right now, I have a very powerful sense that tobacco contains really seriously evil, malevolent spirits that are utterly hostile to human life. FYI, there's a bit of magic work behind that incense, too. Yeah, there is. You know how, if, if you've ever went into a an occult bookstore and you smell incense. Now, I can't say I've ever done this, but I can tell you I've read enough to know that the reason they burn incense is not only is there a demonic component many times, but the incense will actually literally cover certain smells they're trying to hide. Meaning, if you are a witch or a warlock and you're trying to invoke a demon from another plane, let's say you cast your pentagram or your hexagram or whatever on the ground, okay, and you're inside the pentagram, which is supposedly a protective tool so that the devil can't get to you. And a demon that you're trying to summon manifests on the outside. Usually when they will manifest in a room, they will smell really, really nasty. Like sulfur, brimstone, fire, like they're from the pit of hell. Really nasty smell. They burn incense to cover that smell up. Now you may say, oh, I'm really went off the deep end this time. I'm telling you, I've seen accounts from occultists, and that's one of the main reasons they do it. And if you go into like a witchcraft store or an occult bookstore or wherever, and they've got active witchcraft going on, and you know the place is full of demons... I mean, let's face it, if, if they're selling books like the Necronomicon, high-level witchcraft manuals, and there's two versions, there's the real one, which literally is so cursed that, I mean, if you even have it in your possession, you probably commit suicide that night, unless you're a really high-level witch. But there's all kind of other witchcraft manuals and grimoires that you can get. It's per- they're cursed objects. So there's the, the place is full of dev- devils and demons anyway. Anyway, that's just a side note. Just wanted to throw that in for your own edification. So, let's go further. So, he, th- this occultist says, Right now I have a very powerful sense that tobacco contains really seriously evil, malevolent spirits that are utterly hostile to human life. Yep. Yep. And then he goes on to say, Morden and Gypsy, now these are two peoples that have posted, people that have posted, that we just read, Morden and Gypsy, thank you for your helpful responses. Do you get the feeling that the spirits you're dealing with are in the tobacco? And then he goes on to say, I do. They're literally in the tobacco. In which case, do you feel they're malevolent or helpful? Or do, you, or do they simply consume the tobacco without caring about the evil spirits they're in? 
Mordant responds, and he says, I don't know about the spirits and the tobacco. I guess I was a bit off using the word spirit. I've still got issues with the whole gods thing. And it's a pagan trying to work out his own, you know, his own uh, faith or whatever. And then he goes on to say, when, when what I actually meant was deities. Oh, so there's a difference between gods and deities, in other words. Okay? One particular deity demands cheap cigarettes and gets very emotional if he doesn't get one. If I do smoke during a service to him, they have their own pagan little ritual things here, I find the contact is much stronger and of stronger and of a heavy overshadowing. In other words, he gets a much better effect with his witchcraft spell session if he smokes this cheap cigarette. He gets lots of physical and emotional effects as well, and also more positive, friendlier sort of feeling. In other words, this, this devil, this demon, is appeased. Now, do you think if that guy broke out a King James Bible and started quoting scripture, do you think that demon or devil would be happy or sad? Do you think he might become enraged? Yeah, well, the, what does that tell you about the cigarettes? It appeases the devil. He likes it. He gets a better better spell casting effect. He has heavier overshadowing. He gets better physical and emotional effects. The spirit appears friendlier. Well, you're giving it what it wants. I mean, right there, doesn't that just, you know, kind of strong indicator you might want to stay away from this stuff? Some of my ancestors were heavy smokers in life. So tobacco is a good offering for them also. So this is this is the whole ancestor worship thing, you know, which you see a lot of that in the um, Oriental cultures, you know, ancestor worship. Uh, they don't require me to smoke, however. My ancestors don't. Oh, I guess his, his supposed ancestors are giving him a break. No. If they're posing as his ancestors, all that they are, are what the Bible refers to as a familiar spirit. Meaning, that devil or that demon was familiar with the actions of your ancestors. In fact, they may have possessed your ancestor. So they're intimately familiar. They can mimic the way they talk. They can mimic the way they look if they appear in an apparition form. And they will fool you and lie to you every time. And most people fall for it hook, line, and sinker. That's all they are. They're familiar spirits. They're familiar with the actions of these people. So that's it. It's, it's just yet another, another one of the satanic parlor tricks. Satan's got a million of them up his sleeve. That's all it is. Going further, and then he goes on to say, I make the occasional offering to Iligua. I wouldn't say I work with him, strictly speaking, but he taps me for offerings now and again. I guess he bums a cigarette off him. Hey, I mean, you know, what's a demon to do? He has to bum a cigarette off him. And then he, he goes on to say he likes rum, sweeties, and cigars, of course. So those are the things he likes. The animist in me asks, meaning, you know, the animist, which is another form of pagan religion worship type thing. The animist in me, and they're the ones that believe that everything has a spirit. The canoe has a spirit. The oven mitt has a spirit. You know, where does it end? The animist in me asks, maybe the evil spirits you sense infesting tobacco are associated with the additives used by the tobacco industry. 
rather than the tobacco itself. Artificial flavorings, preservatives, crap to make the blank things more addictive. Who knows what could ride on all that muck. He brings up a great point. The point is, is that I've heard anywhere, and it may be conservative, I've heard up to 500 different ingredients per cigarette sometimes. All these different chemicals they put in there, which are even more addictive than the tobacco itself. Then, when you light the cigarette, those elements, because due to the flame, start combining and cross-combining, forming new chemical elements that are also addictive. Why do you think that I have heard things saying that it's harder to quit smoking now than it is to kick heroin? At least heroin's one drug. When you try to quit smoking, you may be trying to quit hundreds of drugs at once. So not only is there a huge demonic component with the, with the modern-day cigarettes in particular, but also um, the um, all these other additives they put in there. And then all these other chemicals and additives are also many times cancer-causing. And they create, you know, obviously all the garbage, this toxic environment in your lungs, in your body. They set you up for lung cancer and all kinds of other cancers. They also, another thing that they do, is they cause um, tremendous free radical production. Tremendous free radical production. What are free radicals? Well, they're the things in your body that when your body makes them, and if there's not enough antioxidants in the system, the free radicals cause aging. They cause um, tissue and organ degeneration. They are what cause you to age. Did you ever notice how someone that smokes ages a lot quicker than somebody who doesn't smoke, typically? I mean, if the other person didn't smoke and they were totally stressed out to the gills and if they were doing other things to create free radicals, well, maybe you wouldn't see a difference. But what I've seen with people that smoke, they age much quicker. It's all the free radicals they're producing. Causes that. Bottom line. Cause and effect. That's all it is. So that's another thing to think about. And, I mean, people that, that, are, that are with cigarettes, I mean, it's one of the hardest things in the world to try to quit. I, I mean, I, I think the only way you can really kick it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, it's something, and I'm going to get into the more of the spiritual aspects of it, you know, here soon. So, next poster says, tobacco is a very strong spirit. Well, I think you, she, he means that tobacco harbors very strong spirits. In the same way that High John the Conqueror root, whatever that is, I guess it's pot, and the five-finger grass are strong spirits. Now, obviously, I've heard of like pot referred to as grass. Um, but, you know, then you can get into things like peyote, which are more mind-altering. Uh, you, you could get into all the plethora of drugs. Okay? But he's saying... Tobacco harbors very strong spirits in the same way that High John the Conqueror root or Five Finger Grass are strong spirits. These are other things that evidently they're working with. I believe that's in, in more the realm of marijuana. They're also being offered to their deities. The power of tobacco can be tapped and called upon in magic. And if you're doing that, you should really be using fresh tobacco leaves and know exactly what you're doing. In other words, it's very, very serious to work with this in a witchcraft setting. These people are not taking this lightly. And yet people today, they go and they buy their chemically altered cancer sticks and smoke them like there's no tomorrow 
and don't think a thing about it. And they don't understand the spiritual implications. These occultists do understand, though. See, you understand, in some ways, they're much wiser than the average, uh, well, a lot of times the average Christian, because they know things that the average Christian wouldn't have a clue about. In that sense, they do, at least. So, uh, you should really, really be using fresh tobacco leaves and know exactly what you're doing, like the hypothetical Native American on a reservation you talk about above. However, in my own practice, I really don't work with the tobacco spirits in the sense of outline above, or at least I haven't had reason to so far. I use tobacco as an offering to the deities I work with to who happen to like tobacco as an offering. The tobacco spirits are made sacred and consumed. Then the next post. Okay, good stuff. And if tobacco is manipulative, plus destructive, plus toxic, plus have a problem with humans, then, well, can we can we assume that tobacco is absolutely, definitely evil as far as me and my lungs and heart are concerned? Tobacco is absolutely and totally evil. Get away from me, bad stuff that will kill me. And which and which, for all I know, already has killed me. As it killed my dad, after all. In other words, maybe he's got lung cancer or, or the start of it, and he doesn't know it. Maybe it's already killed me, in other words. That's what he means. I think that's what he means. And yes, I powerfully get a feeling that there is a spirit in the processed mixed substance, including that Indian reservation stuff. So it's not like you can go out and buy, you know, well, I'll get my organic tobacco and smoke it. You know? hey, I mean, it's all bad. It's all evil. It's all demonic. It actually, and then he goes on to say, I actually get a vibe of it, of being, of it being some sort of Barotian Indian curse. In particular, I get the feeling that the spirit wants to attack the human spirit. The spirits in tobacco want to attack the human spirits, make it curl up and die, and specifically make human magic die. Well, that would kind of make sense, because, again, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, do you think his armies and his minions, his fallen angels, demons, and devils underneath him, do you think they would want to do the same thing ultimately? Well, maybe he's perceiving just the obvious. That That these spirits that appear very, very malevolent, and this is admitted by these guys, they get the feeling that the spirit of the tobacco wants to attack the human spirit. Hmm. Make it curl up and die. And specifically make human magic die. Yeah, that would make sense. Of course, analytically, I accept that others might safely use tobacco for magical purposes and that I shouldn't pass judgment on that. However, emotionally, I find myself thinking for the same, basically, for God's sake, get me out of that. Get that blank out of my life. Now, I think this guy still has a trace of discernment left. He realizes, and a lot of these people realize, how evil this stuff is. So, anyway, I wanted just to kind of go over that and, um, you know, um, kind of just go over that and, and, and let you know from an occult standpoint, where are these people coming from? This is what they said, not me. Okay, so let's go further. Now let's look at this from more of a Christian standpoint here. And uh, why a Christian should not smoke. Now this is from 
a track that came from Warrior Ministries, posted here by Real Deliverance Ministries. I don't can't vouch for these ministries, okay? But I'm telling you, for the most part, what I read rings true, okay? So I'm just I'm just gonna basically go off this little brochure I posted here. Um, and then it goes on to say, for your knowledge and benefit, so you may obtain freedom from demons and inherit the blessing of God again. It goes on to say, so I'm a Christian and I smoke. What's wrong with that? That's the question they're posing. Imagine for a moment the Lord Jesus stopped in at your house to visit you personally. You have him sit down in your most comfortable chair, and of course, um, and you're, and of course, you're sharing with him a cigarette. What do you think his response would be? I mean, hey, hey, Jesus, you want to smoke? Can you imagine doing that? No, of course not. Well, you know. To consider the Lord's response, we will take liberty with with scripture passages found in Colossians 3.23 and 1 Corinthians 10.31 in light of the smoking question. (laughs) They pose the question. Let's substitute smoking in here. When you smoke, smoke heartily as unto the Lord. Can you imagine if the Bible said that? Of course it would never say that. But it's kind of dramatizing things here. Or, what if the Bible said, whenever you smoke, smoke to the glory of God. I mean, that's crazy, right? Well, yeah, but especially in light of what I just read. It can't be done, in other words. If you think it can, then you're glorying in your shame. Probably on the merit of only these two scripture passages, you will agree cigarette smoking is not compatible with the Christian experience. Let's examine further to see what Spirit of God reveals about tobacco and smoking. We are responsible to God for the care of our body. When a person truly receives Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit of God enters in, uh, enters the human spirit, making a new creature. 1 Corinthians 6.19 states that the body of the believer is a temple, a tabernacle, or dwelling, abiding place of the very Holy Spirit of God. Our willing covenant or contract uh, with God to receive eternal life through Jesus Christ puts us in place of responsibility. As genuine Christians, we are held responsible by God for the care and use of our physical body or temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 states, What? Know ye not that your body is is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, you which you have of God, and you are not your own. Now, I don't know if that's King James, but... Essentially, I'll just paraphrase that, okay? Um, Again, I'm going off this brochure, and a lot of times people don't have a concept of... But I think you get the gist, okay? The Holy Spirit lives in us as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. And our temple, our body, is not our own when that indwelling process happens, okay? Beyond question, it is established both medically and scientifically. Smoking adversely affects virtually every organic system of the human body and bodily function. The smoker opens the door to the spirit of self-destruction and commits slow suicide. That's what smoking is. It's just a form of slow suicide to appease the flesh and the demons that get appeased by it. See, those same demons that are getting appeased in the witchcraft ceremonies are getting appeased when you smoke. They like it that you're defiling your temple. I mean, from a physical standpoint, you're destroying your temple. You're committing slow suicide. Well, they love that. They, they, that's what makes them happy. This is a big thing that drives people to the next cigarette, and they don't even realize it. They think it's just a physical addiction. No, there's a spiritual component that's doing it. As well. And I don't know which one's stronger. 
The heart and the blood are affected. The eyes and the nasal passages are inflamed. The burn, the respiratory system easily falls prey to emphysema and asthma. Tobacco, nicotine, and smoking attack and break down the immune systems so cancers can develop unrestricted. Uh, they don't even talk about the free radical production like I did, but that, that happens too. Common to smokers are lung cancer, throat cancer, lip cancer. Uh, now, this would also apply to chewing tobacco and dip and all that other stuff too. Now, granted, it's not going to affect the lungs that way, but it sets you up. Same spirit you're dealing with, same stuff. So I'm not letting them off the hook either. The narcotic property in the tobacco and the nicotine attacks the nervous system of the smoker and works its breakdown process. Seesawing the smoker's nerves between periods of hypertension and depression. Mental awareness, alertness, and functioning come under a dulling, slowing effect. This hinders our mental abilities in everyday activity and restricts and cuts off our mental fellowship with the Holy Spirit speaking to our mind from our spirit. A person who has the smoking habit in honesty must label themselves as an addict. I agree 100%. They are an addict. Smoking harms others. For, for the Christian, it is to be especially noted that the smoker forces all the above-mentioned plagues, diseases, and problems on other innocent people in the smoker's presence. Well, as you would have men do unto you, do, do ye also unto them? Basically, you know, the golden rule in the Bible? Well, how is that possible if you're smoking in the presence of other people? Would you want them to do it to you if you didn't want to be around it? It's impossible. So, something else to think about. Um, co-workers, family, and especially children are victims of the smoke from the smokers and cigarettes. Christians are definitely not to be stumbling blocks to others. Remember we just talked about that in the last teaching we did and then this teaching? We're not to be stumbling blocks before others. Think how God views it when a believer by smoking causes others, especially children, to have to endure the burning eyes, the clogged nasal passages, the undue colds, flu, nervous disorders, and hindrances to mind function, even asthma and cancer. This is called secondhand smoke. And a lot of people get cancer from it. It's proven. Yes, Christian smoker, you are guilty of these. Others are offended by smoking. Believers, yet most endure the offense silently. The children and the infants tormented by tobacco smoke have no children but to endure silently. Second um, Corinthians six three is a command to followers of Christ to give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Uh, we have seen above that the smoker buys misery, destruction, and death when cigarettes are purchased. Most, I mean, you're, and not only that, you're giving it to these wicked, evil tobacco companies that want to keep you addicted and are the same ones that have put all these chemicals in the cigarettes that make it even more cancer-causing and more addictive. And then there's the demonic component. And you're giving money to these satanic organizations? You know, it's no different than going out and buying whiskey. Or going out and buying, you know, cocaine. Or whatever. You, who, who, where's your money? Where... Where where is your money? Where's it where's it ending up in the hands of? Wicked, wicked companies. These tobacco companies are evil. Another thing to think about. Um, most Christians desire to be seen of the Lord as good stewards. However, uh, how much financial resource is going up in smoke from believers who smoke? What would Jesus say about the waste of funds that otherwise could go to evangelism, missionary work, or 
work in the needy. Should a smoking believer even pray for God's financial blessings? Most probably, the smoking believer causes a devouring spirit to come upon his or her finances. Oh, that's another thing. As described in Malachi 3.11. It's probably the thing that you put money into bags that have holes in them and it never, you know. That's another thing to think about. How is it hindering your prayers? How is it hindering your finances? And I mean, the way they've got uh, cigarettes priced today, with all the taxes they put on them, oh my. I mean, you could have a part-time job just to pay for your cigarettes anymore. It has well been well said, you're the only Christian someone knows, or what would another person read in the gospel according to you? Again, responsibility demands of the Christian, we walk holy and unblameable in our behavior. Can there be any argument smoking can in no way serve as a good example to a young Christian? Or what about to an unsaved person? Then a saved person who's not a smoker sees you smoking like a chimney, I mean, is that gonna is that gonna help your testimony? You're, you're over here addicted to a substance, and it's clear that you're addicted. I mean, I'm sorry, but all the smokers I've ever been around, I mean, it disgusts me. Because I'm like, my word, don't you see the control this has over you? I've worked with co-workers over the years, and I mean, it's like, their whole day, their whole life is patterned around their next cigarette. It is sickening. Their next smoke break. And they love it when somebody else comes to work who smokes because it, it, it's like they like that bonding they get with other smokers. They take pleasure in other people that smoke because I think it makes them feel a little bit better about what they're doing. I'm sorry, but that's what I've seen with my own eyes. I know this may be offensive to a lot of people that are, that are my listeners that may be a smoker. I'm not here to try to offend you. I'm just here to point out the obvious. And their whole life revolved. I've been around pot smokers. I had roommates in college just before I was saved. And I had this one roommate, Lisa. Oh, my word. Another roommate, Gary. Oh, their whole life revolved around pot. They weren't cigarette smokers. But man, oh man, they always had to have their bag Rolling those joints on the, I mean, I, I, I admit I tried it in the past. All it ever did is put me to sleep. I couldn't, I, I mean, I had a hard enough time with fatigue, much less wanting to be to, going around being sleepy all the time. All that garbage. I didn't like how it made me feel. You know? And, not to say that makes me wonderful. I mean, I drank, but I drank on the weekends. It wasn't like I was an alcoholic every day, but I drank way too much. So I'm not sitting here acting like I'm Mr. Goody Two-Shoes either. But they were addicted. And they refused to see that they had any problem. And Lisa was so bad that, I mean, it was like, it was so frustrating because she was forgetting stuff constantly. She had like the short-term, she had no short-term memory. And it's a wonder how she got through chiropractic college, because it was not easy. Um, she didn't graduate on time either, but it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And they and they had this, it was just so obvious to everyone around them, particularly Lisa, how fried, I mean, what would you call somebody, I remember we used to call them burnouts. Somebody that smoked pot all the time, they're burned out. It's like their brain's burned out. It kills 
the um, it kills massive amounts of brain cells, particularly pot. Massive amounts of brain cells, and this is why they get burned out. It's also a sp- the spirits that go along with that. I believe create this mental malaise that you see, you know, and you know the motivation starts to go, and the short term memory starts to go, and they're always, you know, it was so frustrating to be around her, and I was unsaved, and it was frustrating to be around her. So anyway, getting back to this, it says, um, let's see here. How easy a matter it is for Satan to convince young boys and girls and teens that it's certainly okay to smoke modern dope if parents and adults, especially Christian adults, smoke the old-fashioned tobacco. That's another thing. If you're raised in a family and you're smoking cigarettes, and, you know, come on. Your kids know it's sin, deep down. They know it's not right. Well, then, what is it for them if they see you smoking? Well, why can't I try some dope? My parents smoke cigarettes. You know. I just never had a real desire. Every time I ever tried to smoke cigarettes, it was like, cough my lungs out. Why would anybody want to do this? I have no desire. Tried chewing tobacco, tried dip, made me throw up. So it was like there was really no temptation. You know, there was there was no temptation. Pop put me to sleep. I'm like, I don't want to do any of this, you know. I was more into alcohol on a recreational type of basis. But again, way too much when I did drink. So again, I'm not acting like I'm perfect. And I praise the Lord Jesus Christ, you know. He delivered me from all that stuff. But um, when, it come, when it came to like drugs themselves, I never really had a lot of... Everybody has their weak links in their chain. You know, everybody has things that they battle with more than another person. So, some person may have a really, really big problem getting saved with gambling, which is another thing I never had a problem with, ever. No temptation at all. No temptation toward IV drug use, hardcore drugs, things like that. I just didn't have that. But, there, you know, there's other things that you have weak links in the chain about. And, you know, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't deliver you from that, but the fact remains, you will battle the flesh till the day you die. Okay, I'm not saying that Jesus Christ can't totally deliver you from bondage, though, either. But, just wanted to throw those things out there. So, let's go further. Um, God is spirit and sees things spiritually. Believers are called to be spiritually minded, even though we are in the physical world. We note in Ephesians 6.12 that our enemies are evil spirits, being in the spirit realm. Um, we are each of us as a believer called and commanded to do personal battle against the demons and overcome them in our lives. Satan and unclean spirits, demons, know that they have spiritual legal ground, right or legal ground, to successfully attack and harm, steal, kill, and destroy the smoking believer. Now that could apply to a lot of other things too. Uh, but you're giving them legal right or, or, or spiritual ground to do that if you're smoking, is the point they're making here, because that's specifically what we're talking about. Spiritually speaking, the way God sees it, cigarette smoking is burning incense to other demon gods. See, that's what it's viewed as by occultists. It's it's burning incense to other gods. It's burning strange incense, as the Bible talks about. See 2 Kings 22.17, 2 Kings 23.5, 2 Chronicles 28.25. 3424, 34, 34, 25, Jeremiah 1, 6, 7, 9, 11, 12, 19, 4, 
chapter 44 of Jeremiah and 48:35. It's burning incense to other demon gods. That's what it is. That's the true essence of smoking. And we haven't convinced you at this point. I don't know what would convince you. Going further. Listen to this. This confirms what we talked about in the first part of this study. Burning tobacco originated with ancient aboriginals. The modern world learned of, which, you know, heavily involved in witchcraft, pagan worship. The modern world learned of the use of tobacco from the Indians. History reveals Columbus found the Indians smoking and watched with surprise and wonderment. Columbus. Christopher Columbus. The grand pipe, or the pipe of peace, you know, we smoke them peace pipe, was the first observed among the Indians of the upper Mississippi country by the French. They called these pipes calumets. According to the Indians, the pipe possessed a supernatural power and a charming effect to compel the partakers of the smoke to a brotherly bond of peace. That's why they called it a peace pipe. You see these old shows where, you know, you come in and we smoke a peace pipe, you know, that type of deal? Why? The pipe possessed a supernatural power and a charming effect to compel the partakers of the smoke. It was the tobacco that really had the power, or the peyote, or whatever they were smoking. To a brotherly bond of peace. Obviously not the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though. Historically, the calumet was considered a sacred pipe to offer smoke to the demon gods, above and below. Tobacco was looked upon as a sacred plant, and burning it brought favor in the eyes of the gods, meaning demons. Even a member of an enemy tribe who entered a house and smoked with the host was guaranteed protection and safe conduct when he left. Several Indian tribes burned incense for purifying, for a purifying medium or an acceptable offering to the unseen. Some eastern tribes did not smoke a pipe in a sacred ceremony, but burned tobacco in a small fire. The smoke offering was believed to ascend to the power to whom they prayed. As the use of tobacco as an offering to gods continued, it was rolled in corn husks, the predecessors to modern cigars and cigarettes. Inhaling the smoke was incorporated into the rituals of both the smoke and the aroma into the rituals, and both the smoke and the aroma continued to have a serious place in the religious rituals and ceremonies. Historical reference books also state tobacco, the tobacco pipe was used by American Indians in ceremonies to ratify treaties. Also, some Indians smoked the tobacco pipes to their sun god and blew the smoke to him. Indians related many sources of illnesses to sources of illnesses to witches who flew through the air disguised as owls to poison their victims. What is that? It's a shapeshifter. Those high enough and adept in the occult literally can do this. And I know you say, oh, there is no way somebody could change this somehow. Listen, very, very, very high-level witchcraft practices, it's shapeshifting, it has to do with, like, Things that you would see with werewolves, vampires, things of this nature. Things that they say, oh, there's no basis in fact to any of that. Oh, yeah? You wait and see. You wait and see in the end times that a lot of these mythical, supposed mythical creatures and things that Hollywood has bombarded us with over all these years, there's going to be, we're going to realize there's a basis of fact to a lot of these things. As evil men and seducers wax worse and worse, 
We're going to see things come out of the woodwork that you can't even imagine. You better be prepared for battle. I'm looking forward to that day because I feel like, to a certain extent, the gloves are going to come off and all this veneer that we live in, this little fairy tale book world we live in, particularly in America, and I know it's not like that in African countries and a lot of other countries where they fear for their life every day. But a lot of it's going to come out of the open and people are going to be forced, lukewarm Christians alike are going to be forced to either cower in a corner and give in to Satan or grow a backbone through the Lord Jesus Christ and deal with this stuff. We're supposed to be as good soldiers. This is the warfare that we're actually involved with. And whether you want to believe that or not, those days and times are coming. They are coming. How it's going to manifest in totality, I don't know. But I know we're going to see greater manifestation of evil and things that we've seen on TV and in motion pictures or read about in books and things like that are going to most likely become commonplace. Some Indians smoked the tobacco pipes to their sun gods and blew smoke to him. Indians related many sources of illnesses to witches who flew through the air disguised as owls to poison their victims. Shapeshifter. Chick has a whole track on this. I'm not saying they literally turn into an owl. Okay, I don't exactly 100% know what's going on there. But... Uh, there's a lot of history about these um, sh- shaman, Indian shaman shapeshifters. Uh, the protective practice against these witches was to cut their limbs and cleanse themselves of bad blood. And, and the use of the old man's tobacco was to avert spirits of the dead. So I guess, in order, if you wanted to protect yourself against these types of witches that could shapeshift and poison you, you were to cut your limbs, bleed yourself, of bad blood, and then use the tobacco to avert the spirits of the dead. But these are processes of witchcraft prohibited by God. So you don't need to do all that garbage if you're a born-again Bible-believing Christian. You don't need to do that. You need to have faith to believe God can protect you, put on the full armor of God, that you you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. You better have faith Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's why I have the King James Bible playing in this house 24-7. It's a good practice to be in. I know the devils don't like it, particularly if you have it on the book of Revelation. Why? Because it kind of reminds them of where they're going. They don't like it too much. Just some things, you know, I've got a whole uh, PDF and or Word document dealing with dealing with evil entities that if you email me, I'll send you. Um, anyway, let's go further. To receive complete freedom from tobacco bondage, the believer must see his habit as or being hooked as a spiritually rooted problem. It, it really is. Hopefully we've convinced you of that by now. The scriptural deliverance process of applying the power and the authority given by Jesus Christ to the believer, according to Luke 10.19, must be implemented. It is wise for the new believer to search out fellow believer prayer warriors at a fellowship where biblical deliverance is actively administered to the saints. 
Now, I can't give you a whole lot of advice in that area. Because a lot of people that say they're in the deliverance ministries are hyper, wacky, crazy Pentecostals that themselves are full of demons. And people that get into that ministry, I see a lot of times they end up getting into a lot of demonic baggage. Well, why would that be? Well, because the devil's going to try to work on them over time. I would say as far as an online ministry... I would say probably Russ Disnar has about as much ex- experience in that area as anybody I've ever seen. On Shadow of the Darkness, I think it's like ShadowOfTheDarkness.com. He's got a ton of experience regarding that. From from an online standpoint, an ease of finding standpoint, I mean, I I, I can't really think of somebody with more experience than him. Uh, I mean, this guy has seen some... Wow. I mean, I thought I've seen some stuff. I've seen nothing compared to what he's seen, you know. Um, so anyway, that Russ Dizdar, D I Z D A R, ShatterTheDarkness.net or com or something like that. Uh, anyway, um, let's go further. Uh, acknowledging tobacco, cigarettes, and smoking is a sin as prerequisite. So you see, if you don't think it's sin, <laughs> you're not going to get any kind of deliverance. God's not going to deliver you, okay? Now, I'm not saying you've always got to go to somebody that does specifically deliver to have a double cast out. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, I'm not saying God can't deliver you from these things. So please don't misquote me, okay? Um, but there are options, you know, and uh, confession of the sin according to 1 John 1, 9 and choosing to submit to God according to James 4, 7 places the believer on proper ground for the unclean spirits to be cast out. For deliverance, confess and repent to God for burning incense to other gods. Then command the demons to go in Jesus' name. Now, these are some potential demons that are actually at work. The names of them. Okay, Kurizwari, Maturo Wawari. Anyway, they're listed here in the PDF. It's the very, very end of the PDF. You can, you can see those for yourself. It's probably not a good idea for me to be speaking a whole lot about specific devil names anyway. But, uh, listen, I'm not a be-all, end-all for everything out there. I can try to hopefully point you in the right direction regarding this particular subject. Um, And hopefully we've done that, convinced you, and and, uh, um, I think the biggest first step you would have to make is is, is saying, acknowledging, listen, (laughs) this is sin of a high magnitude and uh, you know going to God and apologizing and, and confessing your sin and, and you know praying and fasting about it and seeing what direction he would lead you and get in the word of God and because listen I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me okay that's got to you got to have the faith to believe that God can deliver you from this because I don't care who you go to, or what procedures you may take. If you don't have the faith to believe it, it's probably not going to happen. And the demons and devils that would influence somebody regarding tobacco, um, the thing is, is they're going to try to frustrate you and discourage you and say it can't be done. And people say, well, a born-again Christian can't have any kind of uh, demonic entity indwelling in them. Well, even Paul had a thorn in the flesh Okay, which was described as essentially a, a messenger of Satan to buffet him, lest he be exalted. 
in his own mind, unless he gets unless he get a big head, essentially. Okay, so he even dealt with. Uh, now it was that he told you the reason why it wasn't because he had this bad habit or something. So if he could have one and he didn't even have it because I think he had a bad habit, it, well, there wasn't really an indication there. Then you know if you do have an overt bad demonic habit, and hopefully we've proven that to you today, what makes you think you couldn't have one? Or several? Or whatever? Okay? So, I'm just saying, you know, there's that precedent in the New Testament. Uh, And it's demonic. It's purely demonic. Hopefully, we've convinced you of that. And, um, you know, like I said, I've given you the resources that I can give you on. Uh, um, you can read this brochure here. You can look up some of these ministries online. I'm not a deliverance ministry. I don't really have experience in that particular area. And so I, you know, it's not my area of expertise. So anyway, um, God bless you. We'll go ahead and uh, close this out in a word of prayer for today. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and this time you've given us, Lord, and all of your goodness and your mercy, Lord, that you've bestowed upon us. Uh, for allowing us to come together again for another one of these teachings, Lord. Uh, I pray that you would forgive us, Lord, for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form, as we forgive those who have sinned against us, Lord, those out there that are actively um, smoking or, um, you know, have a problem in that area. I just pray, Lord God, that they would repent and confess their sins before you, Lord God, that you would clearly point them in the direction in Scripture, Lord, put the right people in their lives, Lord, that they would be delivered from this bondage. You, you, um, The Bible says to call upon me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not, that I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No, Lord, there's nothing too hard for you. I pray that you supernaturally intervene in their lives, whether it's a listener listening to this or whether it's a family member or somebody they know, I pray to God you would supernaturally intervene in their lives to deliver them from this bondage, that you would continually be delivering us from whatever bondage we may have a problem with, Lord. You know, because we, we, we all have problems that we're working out. We all have different issues of the flesh that we're working out. And I pray, Lord God, you would incrementally help us, um, purify us, to become more like your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, that you would equip us, that you would give us the wisdom and the discernment, Lord God, that we need in order to go forth, and that your name would be glorified through us, that you would use us in the body of Christ mightily in the days and times to come, that you would give us the spirit of, you know, the the courage, Lord God, we need, and and, um, to go forth and, and to truly do mighty exploits, Lord. And that we would be able to look at ourselves and honestly evaluate our own selves. That we would judge ourselves, that we would not be judged, as your, as your word says. And we thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.